demographic targeting is old school and I don't think that it's uh, as useful as it used to be. It's too late. It's just too narrow. People are more diverse than that, <laughs> in my opinion. Welcome to the Startup CPG podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Freitag. Do you really know your consumer? What if you had access to data about 1 million natural products consumers? Today, we get a look at that data with Jessica Malik, VP of Marketing and Insights at Social Nature, a product discovery and trial platform in the Better For You space. With over 1 million users in their community, they've gleaned incredible insights about the modern wellness consumer. Listen in to hear Jessica share all things about the modern wellness consumer, including how they define health, which certifications and labels resonate most, how they find new products, what drives repurchase, how not to market to them, if and how they use promo codes, and more. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to the show today. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks for having me on today. Awesome. I just got some more Social Nature coupons in the mail yesterday, so I'm like getting ready to, to go to the store. So it's always fun to get to talk Social Nature because I'm a big fan, part of the community, and I would love if you could tell us a little bit more about Social Nature and then also about your own background. Yeah, sure. So uh, Social Nature is an online discovery platform that has a million people that come to visit it to learn about new natural products that align with their health and lifestyle goals. And our mission as a company is to help natural brands win in the marketplace, essentially to partner with brands so that we can grow the overall natural product sales category. And we do that through a lot of different ways, including the coupons that you're talking about, where we'll build demand and interest online, and then we'll convert that online demand into in-store traffic and trial, where you get to have your own shopping trip, try the products, and then share back what you think with our community and the brands. And so that data becomes very useful, that feedback uh, in informing brands' go-to-market strategy. Great. That's awesome. And how long have you been with Social Nature? Almost four years. And I've been in the natural products space uh, in a variety of like growth-oriented positions in the U.S. and Canada since 2004. So it's been, been a while. I grew up shopping in natural health stores with my mom. We couldn't have anything that wasn't from a health store. So this lifestyle has been, the natural lifestyle has been something that I've been living for, I guess, quite a while now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, with over a million people in the community and then working with all these different brands, you know, today we're going to talk a little bit about the modern wellness consumer. So I'm wondering if you could kind of describe the kind of the data set that you have gathered over the years of working with these brands and the consumers on the platform? What kind of data are you analyzing? And that'll kind of help us set the framework for then talking through what you've learned. Yeah, sure. Uh, so there's two kind of aspects uh, to the data that is generated on the platform. And all of the data, of course, is generated through uh, consumer behavior, as well as consumers sharing their, their perspective. And so on one side, we have aggregate data on people's top health goals, their channel shopping habits, where they prefer to shop for which types of products, uh, dietary preferences, as well as like which attributes are trending across different product categories. So we have a pretty uh, good pulse on, on what consumers think and want. Uh, when it comes to uh, women, people who identify as female between the ages of 25 to 45, that tends to be kind of our core uh, consumer base. So if you're looking to like better understand 
their habits, their mindsets, what they want, uh, then we would be a great uh, partner for you. And we also specialize in driving specific demand for natural products and then cultivating feedback from consumers on those products so that the brand can better understand like what is working well with the product, how are people engaging, how would they use it, why would they buy it or not buy it, et cetera. So there's a lot of brand and product specific data that comes through the campaigns that we run on our platform. Wow, that's that's super interesting. Yeah, I've since I've since I'm part of the community, I've done the the surveys, um, you know, after trialing a product or even to mm. try a product and I've I've been like, man, like this would be so great to see the other side of this. And I know you've also published the um, online to offline marketing guide using some of that data, which we can definitely link in in the show notes because yeah. that's a really, really great, uh, great insight piece as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think the big idea, you know, when we're talking about what we're calling, you know, the modern wellness consumer, it's just that people are more involved in their health than ever before, right? This trend has happened for several years now. There's been a greater awareness within the general population of consumers around the importance of nutrition and diet and the role that that plays in your health. And there's been a lot of strong awareness and activism around the quality of our food and what's in our food. And that has cultivated this demand, if you will, for transparency of ingredients in our food and now across other categories. People want to know what they're putting on their skin, in their bodies, what they're feeding their pets, their kids. And so people are a lot more involved than ever before and they want to share their voice. And I think that's why the social nature model works well because it's tapping into like a natural tendency uh, no pun intended, where people want to to actually share their perspective. And I think that's what makes people a little bit different nowadays is that they want to be involved. Like people don't want to be passive about their health. They, they want to be and they are proactive. And so they will be connecting better with brands that are also uh, proactive in terms of how they engage with consumers. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you what kind of differentiates a modern wellness consumer. And I think you just you hit on that that piece of it's the they're taking that active role mm -hmm. and that intentional role. I'm wondering also, though, if, you know, if a brand asks you to define who is the modern wellness consumer, who is part of the social uh, nature community? You know, how would you define that for them? Yeah, I think it's values based, really. Like we could talk about like, you know, demographics and age and sex and, you know, family and household composition. I, I definitely think that uh, when people have families and young families in particular, they do become uh, more health conscious. And I also think that this concept of, of this new way of being um, is starting to become actually even intergenerational where people are taking more of a holistic approach to their health. They're not just looking at diet and exercise. They're they're learning and and striving in a way towards improving their mental and emotional wellness. They're more connected to their environment, uh, not only just from an environmental activism standpoint and trying to do their best uh, to recycle or buy more sustainable, but just being coming more aware to social environments and the the impact that our environment has on us. And I think COVID. Uh, has supported people to have an increased awareness of the importance of uh, social connectedness as well. So it's really this becoming a bit more of a holistic definition, if you will. And the way to connect with people is to connect with them as a whole person. And so this whole feature and benefit selling that might have worked 20 years ago is no longer really resonating as much. Um, people want to know the story behind the brand. 
They want to know how the products are made. They want to know who you are, like where, what do you stand for? Um, because it's becoming really values-based regardless of your, your demographic position. So that's what's different, I think. It's a pretty exciting time, even though yeah. it's a challenging time. Yeah. Right. So it seems like the kind of the definition of health is, it, it seems like to me, like years ago, you kind of define, you'd go to the doctor and they'd say whether right. you were healthy or not based on your, your blood work. Be like, well, your cholesterol is this or whatever. And that was kind of, <laughs> you know, that was kind of how everybody was like, oh, you're healthy or not. But I feel like now, like what you're talking about, there's this much more holistic view of health, of social and mental and, and investing in your community and sustainability. And it's, it's much more comprehensive than it used to be. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And we're all noticing that as people, I think, too. I'm wondering with with that being the case, you know, there's so much different marketing and so many different, you know, taglines and labels and projects. I'm wondering because of that, what kind of marketing do you find that wellness consumers are drawn to? You know, are the labels that are like organic, non-GMO, like, are they still gravitating towards those? Do they need them to be official? Are they looking for keywords? Are they look, you know, what are they gravitating towards uh, in your experience? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I do think that based on the data that we see, um, there has been an increased demand and interest in organic and certified non-GMO uh, products and that these certifications do have, have weight behind them and they do matter to people. And at the same time, there's also a growing interest um, for working with local brands. So if you said like this product was made and by the way, handcrafted is getting overused. Sorry, but it's just like handcrafted. Like some of the products that people are saying are handcrafted, they're clearly not. But anyway, this notion, right, of more locally produced, locally sourced products, like that also has a bit of a healthfulness about it. And so there is an increased demand to buy local, support local uh, companies and a local farm, whether it's not, it's organic or not, is probably less important than the fact that it's local. So there's a little bit of a, a both end happening here, depending on where the product itself is actually sourced. And I think the sourcing and the supply chain and where these products are being made and what ingredients they are and where they're being imported from is also becoming uh, more of a topic of interest with people. And that notion of domestic production, uh, when we're talking about people in the United States or Canada, is becoming uh, much more of interest and awareness. Wow, that's super interesting to hear about the the focus on local. I'm wondering if you've seen brands have best practices or be less successful in with their packaging and how they're calling it out. Is it using the word local? Is there, you know, is there a better way that brands are talking about it that consumers are resonating versus putting, you know, the words local and italics on the back kind of thing? Like are you seeing mm. any best practices that that people, if their product does, can use that, that claim, how, how, where does the consumer best see it on the packaging or in their buying experience? Yeah, I think this is like where um, retail partnerships are really important. So a lot of uh, more of the natural health retailers that could be like chains or often will have like buy local sections. So I think it's really important for these locally made brands to build relationships with the local retailers and to partner in the storytelling together because that's going to be, you're going to have like placement in a specific section. 
you're going to have shelf talkers or some kind of displays that are speaking to that. The local, the, the store staff might be trained about it and can let people know when they see someone picking up that really cute honey that it's actually made here, for example, or whatever it is. So I think retail partnerships is number one. Um, and number two is doing field marketing where possible in your local community, especially if you have local distribution can be a great way to get that local story out there. Um, Unpack is great if you are in a regional market saying like we're made in this area. I think it's definitely helpful. Um, and just building that into like your brand story as well. If you can do any geo-targeted social and events and partnerships with other like-minded communities, like that's also going to be helpful, right? Right. Yeah. I'm also wondering if you're seeing growing interest in like the women owned business certification or minority owned or some of these other certifications that haven't been become as mainstream, but we're starting to see on packaging more. Are you seeing that resonate with consumers in the data? Yes, we are. That is definitely like an area of growth. Um, and I think it's an early, like we need to get more exposure for these, these companies. So I think that's an opportunity for, for just more exposure in general. Yeah, no, that's that's great. It's that's promising and exciting to to see that the interest is there on the consumer side. Definitely. Yes. I think that maps back to in general this increased uh, awareness of consciousness around social impact and wanting to support companies that do have uh, good labor policies and practices and inclusion in, in place and being people wanted to support in that way. Right. And where are you finding that wellness consumers are finding their new products? Are they finding first online? Are they finding first at their local store? Are there specific retailers that are more popular than others that are driving new product trial? Mm, great question. Um, in my experience, I think it kind of comes down to what is the specific product type or reason for somebody um, learning about a new product. So let's say that I had um, a certain dietary need, I need to be gluten-free or I'm trying to eliminate a certain type of ingredient, then it's very possible that I'm going to be more likely to be searching like online where I can like look at reviews or I can look at maybe um, nutritionist websites that specialize in my particular health condition or whatever my problem is. And I'm looking online because I have a specific problem that requires me to validate that nutritional label or that product type um, before I buy it. And if I'm looking online for it, it's probably because I couldn't find it like already on the shop, right? So I think like when it comes to specific types of problems, um, people are more likely to be looking online and people enjoy browsing online um, for certain types of products, especially um, if it's like skincare or beauty products and things like that. Um, if it's more of like the in-store discovery, um, I think is happening more in a health store. And when I say health store, I mean like 100% of the inventory is what we would consider to be like natural or better for you and smaller format. Um, it may have ready prepared food in it and grocery, of course. Um, and these product, these stores tend to be more supportive to people going in in a bit of a browsing mood in addition to buying their, their usual weekly shop because they usually tend to be better merchandise and big box stores like a Walmart or a Target where it's kind of a li little bit more of I'm there for my essentials. I'm getting in and out. I'm not going there to browse for like my next favorite natural product. So the, to, to recap my answer, number one, 
online is a huge place of search. We see that in social nature, uh, specifically for t- certain types of products or health concerns. And then in-store, um, more with the health store for that new product discovery. If it's a larger format retailer, if you're out of stock, I'm going to buy your competitor because I don't have time to like maybe wait for you. Or maybe if you have like a, a TPR or a discount on, we know that that can uh, steal market share. So you can get like new product discovery happening through in-store TPRs and promotions and things like that if it's more of a commodified item. That's very interesting. It's also interesting to me as social nature grows. I mean, you've hit a million people. I mean, I now use social nature as my way to discover new products because I've been able to filter like I'm looking for our households Mm. gluten free. I'm mostly dairy free. So it's exciting to me as social nature grows that, you know, you become a marketplace for people coming to find new products because that's already in in my life. I'm like, well, I know that I'm going to get an email soon that's going to tell me the new things to try. So, um, you know, I'll try then. That's so great. Thanks for sharing that, Jesse. Yeah, that's part of our mission. So thank you for sharing that. I'm also thinking about, I I think the last question to um, almost all the surveys is asking the consumer about whether they're going to repurchase the product. And then I think there's some reasons. And I'm curious what you're finding really drives repurchase. Are people citing taste first? Are they citing that it's at the retailer they want? Mm. What are they saying as far as what drives the repurchase? It's really all of the above. It kind of goes back uh, to the old sort of old school um, for P's of marketing. Anybody ever studied that? So the product has to be good quality, right? Like it has to, taste is key, of course, and any type of food or beverage, like have to work on your taste. You have to because your competitors have. And so the old days of like really not good tasting healthy products are kind of over uh, now that the health market has gone so mainstream. And I know that because I used to work at Vega many years ago. And in the early days of the Vega all-in-one product, it didn't really taste that great, but nobody really cared because it was the only one like it in the market for several years. But as other new competitors came into the marketplace and we were expanding beyond that really super, super core um, health consumer into more like mainstream, we had to pre-formulate and make sure that the taste component was there in addition to the nutrition, um, because it is a both end uh, with people nowadays. That's kind of how how it works. So you've got to have a good product. Price is important. Uh, right now, there's a lot of inflation happening. We know that across the board, people are dealing with, with challenges, whether they're businesses or consumers. So you've got to have the right price for the right value. And then the place, back to your question, Jesse, like people want convenience. They're not necessarily going to make an extra trip or set up an extra D2C account unless that product's really unique and hard to find anywhere else. So you want to make sure that you've got you know good distribution or aligning with your product in an environment that's supportive to that type of product sales. And then the final piece would be driving repurchase. Like people do forget or brand building is building ongoing awareness, is building relationships, is investing in good packaging, integrated marketing, and making sure you've got that ongoing exposure uh, to keep yourselves top of mind to support with that retention and that growth. So those are like really the four pieces of marketing that I've explained, and they really are all important. And the final piece that I will say that it's maybe a bit of a, a pain point for, for some people right now, um, is the fill rate. Like you have to have strong fill rates because if you're out of stock, like, and I couldn't find you because you weren't there. And then I ended up buying your competitor because I needed whatever it was. Right. And they're good too. Like I might've not bought you again. Right. I might've actually switched to that brand. So we need to make sure that, um, I'm seeing the obvious here, but 
uh, doing our best to have those those uh, out of stocks uh, as low as possible. Yeah, that's that's so true, especially if you're running any sort of campaign. I know when we started doing mm. a field marketing program at Live Bar, it was a big push, and we we just kind of thought that you know that the the fill rate would still continue at the percentage it had been with even with some increased demand. Well, the demand far outpaced what we were planning. And then our fill rate dropped to 20%. Some other challenges happened. And then we're doing all this marketing. The shelves are empty. And it was like, oh, like what a huge, you know, a huge miss. And so from then on, we found the right contact at the distributor, which was Kehi, to say, okay, Mm. we're going to give you a heads up when we run a promotion or when we're driving people, we're going to tell you the stores so that you, you know, you can be ready and our fill rate doesn't drop. And we started partnering much more closely with them. And that was way more successful. Jesse, great point. Being proactive. That's, that's so, so big. Um, I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's so critical to this. And um, in investing in demand forecasting once you get a bit more data and understanding what your your sales flow is and looking at your POS and trying to get ahead of it is useful as well because then um, your operations team can be ahead and making sure that they're getting like ingredients secured in advance so that you don't run out of product. Um, mm-hmm. That's another thing that can be really important to look at. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Were you going to say something? No, I was just laughing because it's like, a lot of us start out like making these products ourselves, right? By hand in our kitchen and at farmer's markets and like, you know, and then we, it turns out that in order to do well, you really need to have like a strong finance person or financial mm-hmm. kind of engineering mind. Because if you don't, then you could be doing super well, but you you, you still won't thrive because you didn't have the, the systems in place. So it's just, I was just kind of laughing because part of the success here is being very systems oriented, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I always think of the James Clear uh, quotation, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. Yep, yeah. that's that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. I'm also wondering about how, do you have any recommendations for brands to help narrow down, you know, they maybe they've identified, okay, my consumer fits within modern wellness consumer. Now I need to to narrow that down even further to, like you said, maybe it's not necessarily demographics, but maybe it's mm. key things that are ideal to them or, you know, or things that they're, you know, that they really are, are important to them. Mm. How do you have ideas for brands on how to kind of narrow in on that data set without access to necessarily a lot of resources? Maybe, you know, is it surveys? Is it looking at who your followers are? How, how do people kind of start to build that out when at the beginning you maybe don't have the the finances to invest in a, a formal data set? Right. Um, I think that like, firstly, learning like why, like what do people love about your product? Like whether that's like, I mean, social nature definitely does get consumer feedback from all of our sampling product uh, programs. So we can help brands do that. That's one thing that we do. Um, the other thing is like, from your existing consumer base, like if you're just getting started, like, and you're at, like, you could be going to like a farmer's market, for example, and like asking people questions or um, having like a QR code on your little packaging and asking people questions. Because I think like before you start trying to segment people based on, you know, very linear uh, variables, like age, you know, gender, like all of those things are so they're not representative of the whole person, right? Like one 45 year old could be different than another, right? So I think you want to better understand like what is it about the product that they value? 
they meaning those who buy it the most often like your power user and like how are they using the product are there things that they're doing with your product you, you never thought about or what else would they like to see or like how would they improve the product like basic market research but not market research in a way that feels like at a distant like some panel of people like try to get your core user to, to talk with you a lot because that's going to be, you know, how you want to replicate that. And then you should lead with the key messages and the features and the overall lifestyle or whatever it is, is drawing people to you because that's naturally going to start attracting more like-minded people. Right. And then if you do have these people's emails, yes, you can do like lookalike type targeting on different social channels. If you do want to identify a certain type of pattern, maybe uh, within your, your consumer base, um, based on demographics or regional things, you can where they want to shop. But quite frankly, I think it's really a lot more qualitative and about the why behind it, um, because that's what's going to draw people to you. I just think that demographic targeting is old school and I don't think that it's uh, as useful as it used to be. It's, too late. it's just too narrow. People are more diverse than that, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting. It makes me think about, I was listening to an interview with the founder of Native Deodorant and as he was kind of figuring it, figuring out even what he was doing in his formulation, he, anybody that would email him back and say, Hey, I love this or whatever. He started just talking to those consumers and then yeah. sending them like, hey, I tweaked this a little bit. Can you try this? What do you think? And like he got them super engaged in the process. And then he kind of started to identify some trends of, OK, these are the people that are emailing back with me. These are the people that are trying the deodorant. And then his first two hires were customer service because he Amazing. was so focused on it. And I was like, that's so interesting, yes. you know. Because a lot of, you know, he was learning about his consumer, but I think a lot of times a lot of us think, oh, market research, learning about our consumer. And we put up that little barrier that you talked yes. about of like yes. kind of separating yourself of, okay, I'm going to figure out things about, you know, this group over here rather than just engaging with them. You got it. I love how you put that. It's perfect. And that's what it is. I think sometimes people... You can have this like hat that you put on like this. I'm a marketer right now, or I'm going to do research. And it's like, you know what? You're just talking with people. Like imagine they're like your friends and they're just giving you honest feedback. Like, and if you genuinely care about like these people and their experience and making some type of impact with whatever your product is, then it's very easy to do that. Right. It's not, um, it will just naturally happen. I think that's why one of the, the the founders that genuinely care and really actually want to make a difference with their product and really have a strong mission, like that spirit continues in how they do business. So it's less complicated to figure it out because you'll naturally gravitate towards practices and strategies that cultivate that. So it's really about a mindset, actually, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, the rest can fall from that, right? Right, right. Now we've talked about some some strategies you know, maybe that have been effective or some things to try on the flip side, are there approaches and maybe we've touched on a little bit of, you know, things not to do or marketing strategies that that just don't resonate as much anymore, you know, with with the modern wellness consumer? Yeah, I think number one, like it's really important to invest in good packaging design. Uh, we know that good is subjective. So yes, you'll want to get feedback and you want to make sure that your design represents like your brand and what your you know, wanting to bring into the world and it has to look good. Like you want it to pop on the shelf. You want it to be of a quality that quickly builds like trust and interest. If you have bad packaging, like it's just looks like somebody did it in their basement or it just isn't, you know, up to speed. 
then people aren't going to trust it. They're just going to think, this is like, what is this, right? So you need, you only have so many seconds on the shelf or so many seconds on a digital ad or on your website. If it's not properly designed, people are going to bounce. It's just because um, it's so much more competitive now and there's just so many more brands out there. So you must invest in good design. Um, it's expensive to rebrand. It's expensive to redesign packaging. So try your best, as best you can, uh, to get it right uh, the first time um, and to keep going from there, right? The second thing I would say is like your channel strategy, like where do I sell my products is really, really important depending on your stage growth. So sometimes what can happen is brands can grow really fast and they didn't have a mentor or they didn't have somebody around them to help them better understand like even the hack that you said, uh, Jesse, earlier about working with a distributor on fill rates, like you need to make sure that you have enough working capital to fund your growth. So if you, as you get into the larger retailers, like you're going to have listing fees, you might get a large PO, you need the capital to be able to make those products and ship them. If you don't have the capital and you're in the middle of trying to raise money while you're in that growth, that can get a little bit difficult. So the finance plan is really important and being a little like not ruthless, but don't be afraid to say like where you want to sell and where not. Like just because somebody wants to take your product doesn't also mean it's the right environment, right? So you want to make sure that the people that love and buy your product um, and the scalability of that growth is reflected in an environment in the store that's also going to have velocity or like movement. So sometimes it's better to say no than to say yes. So I just think that's just being really mindful about that um, is important. I'm also wondering for for a wellness consumer when they're trying a product I'm wondering about promo codes because we see mm. we get we all get so many promo codes <laughs> in email now. I mean, just you know, there's all yeah. those apps to apply them. Yeah. And I and I know I believe on the social nature platform, like if you don't if you aren't accepted to trial product, you still yeah. get a promo code after you trial a product. There's usually a promo code. So I'm curious what you've learned there about promo codes. How consumers react to them? Are there percentages that matter differently? And then also for that first product, is a promo code enough or does it is the free product really the tipping point for that consumer? Free product is the easiest route, right? Because there's absolutely no risk and it's really, you're making it easy for them to try their product. So if your game is speed, then the easiest way to, to have speed is, is to reduce any friction. So that, that's part of why I think the social nature model works so well, right? It's because there's no friction for the consumer and we're offering products as best we can where they already shop, near where they live, et cetera, right? If you are a, if that's not available to you, then I think like BOGOs work quite well from what I understand, like buy one, get one free could be good. If we're talking about an e-commerce environment, from my experience, like it has to be more than 20% off or 25, depending on your, your price point. Um, and if you're in e-commerce and also the shipping is another part of that, right? It's not just a promo code, but if you're asking me um, to go and set up an account on your D2C website and it's really clunky and not that much fun to set up an account, it's going to take me a while. And then you're asking me to spend a bunch of money on shipping and I have to wait like a few weeks to get your product. I don't care about your 20% off at that point. I'm too, I'm too busy, right? Like people don't have time to like, you know, set up 20 different direct consumer accounts and less 
the product itself is really unique and hard to find anywhere else, number one, or the mission or the value of that website looks like it's worth their time. So I'm, I'm digressing slightly, but what I'm saying is um, the offer needs to be good, but the checkout also needs to be good. So um, if you are on Amazon, like I would do an Amazon promo code over a D2C any day because if that person's a Prime member, it's way easier for them to just buy it and get it like the same day or next. So you want to think about like, where's my promo code driving them to try to try to focus on channels that these people already have accounts on. That's going to be a higher conversion rate. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up. That's a super important perspective to think about with those. So that's very helpful. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about what it looks like for a brand to work with social nature. How do the programs work? What what type of brands are usually have the most successful programs? I'd love to learn more. Sure. Um, so everything we do is based on us consulting with you on your particular goals as a company. So we work with a lot of emerging brands and brands that are just starting to get distribution or are in like Whole Foods, some regions of Whole Foods or Sprouts. So like working with brands to really drive some some retail impact in natural, which and to also work with brands that are scaling into conventional and in different like tests and different conventional banners like Kroger, Walmart, Target, et cetera. Um, our community of a million people, just like most consumers shop cross-channel, they're not only in one channel, they are in conventional, they are in natural, they are on Amazon Prime, like 90% of them. And so we can tailor our our campaigns uh, based on where you as a brand are wanting to make impact and the volume of which we would do these campaigns uh, would be um, based on what your your goals might be. And the campaigns themselves are involving like a multi-touch education and engagement plan where first we'll launch your product on our platform, socialnature.com. We'll build uh, targeted demand and interest for your product. So people that already live near where the product is sold will learn about this particular offer to try this free product. Then they'll opt in to try the product. So we're not going to give your product to anybody that wasn't interested which is good because we want people like that are already engaged, right? And then people will share their feedback with you as to like, well, why are you interested in the snack bar? Like what other snack bars do you buy and stuff like that? And then they'll get to have a shopping experience where we will ship out a free product voucher and any other additional offers or social contest cards to their home. And then from there, they go and have a shopping experience. So they're going to find your product in store. This is a big part of the, the value. Like it sounds so simple, like, wow, a coupon going to a store. But when you think about it from an emerging brand perspective, if I don't have like a ton of distribution yet, I don't have like a massive brand awareness yet because I'm just getting started. Like how do I know or can I guarantee that people are going to find me in that store if they don't really know me. What if I'm on the bottom shelf, right? So what we're doing is we're making sure that the right amount of people that fit that target audience actually go ahead and go into that store, get your product and try it. That first particular point of engagement is critical for you to be able to sell more of these products. And that's why it works so well, uh, because we're introducing new consumers to the brand. And so then after that, um, as you've experienced yourself, Jesse, uh, then people will will write a reviews based on what they thought about your product. And they'll answer questions about their purchase intent, how they would use it and things like that. Maybe that was a bit long, but hopefully that was (laughs) that was helpful. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think also 
that when you collect data, you also have a pretty high opt-in rate for then the brand's own email list. Is that right? Yes. Thank you for, yes. Uh, I forgot to mention that. Jesse, you know this so well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we do um, invite people uh, to opt into your email after, and it depends on, on like their experience. Usually it can be anywhere from 30% of 50 or to 50% of those that tried your product will opt into your email. And we don't charge for that. Um, so that's part of the, the sampling program. In general, our overall engagement rates uh, trend between 60% to 80%. Yeah. Wow. I, I just, I remember being amazed at those numbers before. So I definitely wanted to, to bring it up again, because that's just so huge to to get those emails and, and really just being given the email for essentially a new <laughs> yeah. raving fan. I mean, that's, that's huge <laughs> as a brand. Totally huge. That's the fun part. That's where like you can start to build, you know, in using marketing jargon, like consumer advocacy, if you want, or ambassadors, you can really start to build those relationships and you can ask them like, oh, what other products would you like to see or flavors and things like that? Or, oh, we have this other new product that's launching, blah, blah, blah. Would you like to try it? So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And is there a certain number of stores that brands need to be in for a for a social nature campaign to to be most effective? Yeah, so right now, like we are we are focused, like we have kind of what we're calling these retailer specific communities or like people that shop, we know shop often at certain types of stores. So uh, Whole Foods, if you're in a couple of regions of Whole Foods, that's great. If you're in Sprouts, that's great. Um, if you're in, you know, 300 stores of like a, a banner like Kroger or Publix or Walmart or a thousand stores, that's great. Um, if you're not in any of those stores, then um, we would just want to see your store list just to make sure that um, that, the, that the stores on that list are accepting the manufacturer's coupons. And we would probably want to focus like maybe 300 stores in a certain key region, for example. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. And I also would encourage everybody listening to even if your brand's not ready for a social nature program, or if you're just interested in it, go sign up to be a part of the mm -hmm. community and on the platform. I think it's such a great way to learn how it works and be and be wowed. Um, I, you know, I was a little skeptical when I signed up because I was like, <laughs> I don't know, am I going to really repurchase anything I try? Well, I do. And <laughs> they've oh, become, thanks, you know, they've become household favorites. And so I think it's something that once you really experience on the community side, it really helps understand it from a brand side of how it might really help your brand grow. So, and, and it's free. It's free to join. You get to try new awesome things. So I just would encourage, you know, our community, go join. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you 100%. could tell us a little bit, what's, you know, what's the process to just become part of the community? Yeah, two things. Uh, first, I did want to uh, also acknowledge that uh, we do do direct-to-home sampling. So if you're not in stores yet, and as long as it's not like a frozen or refrigerated product, we can do sampling direct-to-consumers' homes and get feedback uh, from them to help you actually validate your products and prep for pitching to get a listing. So that is available. I just wanted to, to acknowledge yeah, that we have great. a lot of retail focus, but if you are wanting to do direct home, we, we can easily do that for you. Um, so that's definitely an option um, and can be really useful, like really helpful. Um, I have some clients that have used our data in the buyer meetings and say, hey, uh, these people have tried the product, they love it, and they actually shop at your store and they want to see the product mm. in your, your store. Mm -hmm. And it does support on that new listing conversation, obviously, in addition to your margins and all that other stuff, right? So there's that. And then the process is set up. Uh, the account on socialnature.com is easy. 
you'll just go in there and we're going to ask you a bunch of questions. Uh, it's not too tedious. Don't worry. <laughs> we're going to ask you some questions about like your health goals or like which retailers you prefer to shop at and which types of categories that you're interested in learning about new better for you products. And um, a little bit around if you have like a pet or your family kind of composition. And then from there, uh, we will personalize the things that we show you uh, based on how you answer those questions. So we're, we're doing our best and we'll continue to advance um, the personalization aspect of the platform so that you are getting um, offers and things that you would be personally interested in. Yeah, that's that's great. That's that's super helpful. And yeah. if, if brands are interested in, in contacting your team, what's the best way to reach out? Should they mention being part of Startup CPG? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yes. Um, and you can just email us at marketing at socialnature.com. Would be would be great, or you can visit socialnature.com forward slash marketing, and then you can learn all about our different marketing solutions. You can read case studies, you can read lots and lots of testimonials about how people were using this platform, and there's also a book a call form there if you prefer to just book online. Great, that's awesome, and I'll make sure to include all those links in the show notes. I'll also link to the online to offline um, marketing guide because oh, I just yes, think thank you. that's such a good resource. <laughs> I've re- when I was at a brand, I I would actually pull that up sometimes be like, Wait, I think I saw I I remember like, oh, I saw something about this in there and I'd pull oh, it up wow. and look in the data. And so it's I'm I'm a big fan of that guide. So definitely thank can you. include thank that you. in the notes as well. And uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, people from the community will reach out. But it was yeah. such a pleasure having you on the show. And having you dive into what you've learned about, you know, the modern wellness consumer. I can't think of a better guest and company to talk to about this. So this has been super fun and I'm so glad that you joined us today. So thank you. Thank you, Jesse. It's been an honor to have this conversation. It's been a lot of fun and I wish everybody in the community all the best. And if anybody has any questions about anything, please have them reach out to me anytime as well. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Special thanks to our partner, Social Nature. You can find them at socialnature.com, link in the show notes. This Startup CPG podcast is executive produced by me, Jesse Freitag. Theme music is by the Super Fantastics. We'd love to have you join our community of founders and experts. Get the invite at startupcpg.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. It's the easiest way to help us grow our community. See you next time.